You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. You know about our teams. Protect your brother today, man. Don't leave nothing on this field. <laughs> but how well do you know this week's opponent? Let's go behind enemy lines. Enemy lines as we do each and every week. As we welcome you back in here, round number two, Dan Gross's show, 98.7 ESPN. And this week's opponent for the Jets, first road game for the green and white. They're going to Cleveland to take on the Brownies, who are 1-0 after escaping Carolina in a game that got a little too close for comfort for them with a two-point victory, and they needed a 58-yard field goal to make it happen in the final seconds. But joining us now, one of the utmost authorities on the Cleveland Browns from ESPN Cleveland and also LelandOnDemand.com. You can check him out as well. It's our pal Tony Grossi. Tony, welcome to the show. Dan Grossa, thanks for joining me. How are you? Oh, things are pretty good. This is the first time the Browns have been 1-0 and in 18 years, so it's like a cause for celebration. Let me ask you this, because so much of the offseason and everything swirling around the Browns, Tony, was involving the quarterbacks. First Baker, and then, of course, the Deshaun Watson pursued, or, and then was he going to be suspended? Is he not going to be suspended? And then they get matched up with Baker Mayfield in week one after he shipped to Carolina. Do we finally think that all of the quarterback conversation stuff is now in the rear view for this football? team well in terms of baker mayfield it is that that kind of turned the page on a you know a, a, a four-year chapter in their history and it just so happened that they played him in in the first game of his you know with his new team so uh, you know, on that count i i think they can move on but then you know when deshaun watson returns to the team he comes back uh, he's allowed back in the building october 10th he, if all goes well, he'll, he he should be eligible to play uh, game twelve in Houston of all places on December fourth. So there's still a lot more quarterback drama to come with Cleveland. You talk about quarterbacks, and then you have Jacoby Brissett, who is the one right now who is keeping the seat warm until Watson gets there. You know, you looked at his game, and I was watching, you know, some of the copy of it last night. He didn't play a poor game, but, you know, when you have a team that runs for over 200 yards, it's going to make the quarterback's job a little bit easier. Do you think that he is going to be good enough to keep this team afloat for the next two and a half months? Yeah, he's got to be better than he was in that first game. There were there were some first game jitters for him. Uh, he was very emotional before the game and after the game, even after eking out the win. I I, I think I think he'll get better. He didn't play a lot in 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 the preseason. Just uh, you know, uh, uh, the final game uh, for for six series uh, as they were tinkering there, you know, with Deshaun Watson, and and it was just you know, kind of chaotic in, in this training camp. So I think he'll be better as he goes along. And the rest of their team is is really loaded. At, you know, the offensive line, the, the running back room, um, even the young receivers uh, showed some promise. And Amari Cooper, and they got, I mean, he's got all the tools he needs to keep them afloat um, until Watson gets back. You mentioned Amari Cooper. Did I see he didn't practice today or he wasn't out there on the practice field? Is that anything that puts his availability for Sunday in jeopardy? No, it was kind of a day off. Uh, gotcha. Excuse just one of those veteran days off things. We mentioned the running game, 
and they gallop for over 200 yards in that one on Sunday. And, of course, Nick Chubb is a beast, and, and he was the workhorse. Do you expect that to continue to be the same plan as far as the carries and the touches are distributed there in the backfield? I, I don't see why it would change, man. They, they are awesome together, and now uh, the team is slowly incorporating both of them on the field together, which is a real intriguing uh, possibility that opens up uh, all kinds of uh, options, really. There were a couple plays where they both uh, released into uh, 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 re- uh, pass patterns out of the backfield. Uh, there was a couple uh, plays where uh, Hunt uh, was a lead blocker uh, on, on a sweep run. Uh, so uh, I think we're going to see more of that together uh, w- Again, I can't. I mean, no one, no one has the capability of having such such a creative running game as the Browns, and I think they're just touching the surface of it. Talking with Tony Grossi here on the Dan Grosser Show, ninety-eight seven ESPN. Jets and Brownies coming up Sunday at one o'clock. Again, we can hear right here on ninety-eight seven ESPN. Our coverage begins at eleven a.m. On the other side of the ball, Tony, you look at this defense, and this is in a way their calling card. I mean, they are a ferocious group. And even just watching the first half of the game last week uh, mm-hmm. that I was checking into last night, I mean, that front seven. Good luck if you're matching up against them on Sunday. And you know, everything begins and ends with Miles Garrett. This is a guy who uh, I think it goes without saying, Tony, he looks like he is a man possessed and a man on a mission this year. You get that sense? Well, I think the side of number six inspired them a little bit more too, uh, facing uh, Mayfield. Um, but you're right. I mean, this is the only team in the league with number one overall draft picks at the defensive end yep. spot. Not only Garrett, but Jadavian Clowney on the left side is really an integral part of this team. Um, and, and they got some young players inside and, and also some young ends now. So, uh, uh, you know, they're pretty deep on the defensive front. But if you look at their defensive backfield, uh, it's one of the deepest in the league. And, and you know, the, the, they have the foundation of a, of a top five defense. And, the, you know, they're mad at themselves this week because they thought they gifted Mayfield two touchdowns with two, you know, communication breakdowns. And, and they'll work that out, but I, I, th- I think they're pretty strong on paper. How about that secondary? We know that they are a group that can make some plays. I mean, Denzel Ward is one of the best young corners in the league. I mean, we say young. It's already, what, his fifth year here. And, you know, he's paid yeah. certainly like it there. But um, that secondary is also some uh, a group that can protect a lot of things that maybe get behind that first two levels of the defense. Sure. I mean, they got two number ones back there. Greg Newsom was a number one pick last year. The other cornerback, uh, they got a Pro Bowl safety in John Johnson and uh, a number two pick in Grant Delbert. And they like to use three safeties. You know, I, I know this is a trend to take a linebacker off the field and, and field three safeties. And, and they certainly are capable of that, uh, with the third one being Ronnie Harrison. So, uh, And their cornerback depth goes five deep. Uh, it's just right now, Greedy Williams is on IR with a, a hamstring injury. So, the, so they're down to four. They picked up another one. But but they have rare depth at cornerback. And, you know, they're going to need it because those guys run a lot of miles in practice during the week and pull muscles and all that. But they feel 
I feel too that their secondary is might be the strength of the team. How would you say Stefanski has you know evolved as a head coach? What is this his third year now? We know about that first season yeah. when they won a playoff game, even though he was you know at home sick with the COVID that night they beat the Steelers. But last year there was a storm <laughs> with everything that went on, and you know had to deal with all the mess here in the off season. How do you think Stefanski has kind of grown into this role? Well, you know, every year has been unusual, and you know, it was, everyone suffered through COVID in 2020. Uh, in 2021, uh, you know, they they, they uh, released o- Odell Beckham Jr. in the middle of the year uh, when there was a flare-up with Baker Mayfield, and then there was drama after that. And, and then this year, you have the Watson drama uh, to to start his training camp, where he he tried to tried to, tried to give him some some reps. Uh, a lot of reps, in fact, while at the same time knowing he's going to have to start Jacoby Brissett for, uh, they thought, would be about six games. It turns out it's going to be 11 games. So every year has been unusual for him, and uh, he's had one good year, one not-so-good year, and uh, they're finally off to a one-and-off start. So, I, I, you know, that that's settled a lot of things down, man. They just absolutely – they owe it to that rookie kicker who made that 58-yard field goal because – if they had come back home from Carolina with a loss there, it would have been a very difficult week and probably difficult month for them. But uh, that was like a, a huge sigh of relief let out for winning that game. Yeah, I guess Cade York is probably not going to have to pay for a meal in Cleveland, at least for this week. You know, things change on a week-to-week basis, but yeah. uh, he's the hero for one week, like you said. Now, they're going to be going up against the quarterback on Sunday and Joe Flacco that, you know, Flacco has seen the Browns plenty over his career. He's got a pretty gaudy mm-hmm. record against the Browns, too, but... This is a different Joe Flacco. He's not on the Ravens anymore, obviously, and it's a different Browns team. I'm curious, like, some of the comments or maybe the thoughts of, you know, from inside that locker room, Tony, as to what they think they're in store for coming up this Sunday. Well, Stefanski is good at uh, keeping them focused. Uh, That's the challenge of this week for him. You know, they have Pittsburgh coming in on Thursday. That's their arch rival in their first division game for a Thursday night uh, home game. So it's it's kind of a challenge for the coaches, but you know that was the benefit of of that lucky and close win is that uh, the defense is mad at itself. The offense, you know, struggled uh, throughout the game. Otherwise, they would have scored 48 points. So so they know they have so much work to do, and, and it's probably the the ideal situation for the coach to just you know in retrospect to squeak by that Carolina team. Uh, and not get too, uh, uh, you know, feel too big about themselves because they certainly didn't play a, a great game in Carolina. You know, you brought up something interesting. They're, they got a short week here. They got two games in five days because you said they got the Thursday nighter against definitely right. one of their rivals, if not their rival, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Could you think potentially, you know, you have a Jet team that is like the butt of jokes around the country. Mm-hmm. They have a, you know, uninspiring week one performance. Could this be a potential trap game situation, you think, for the Browns? Maybe looking ahead to that Steeler game on Thursday? Well, that's why I say it's a it's a big challenge for the coaches to avoid that, um, and and for the reasons I I said I I, I think he'll keep their attention, and and one other reason is uh, you know uh, Stravinsky has a great deal of respect for Robert Sala, the Jets coach. Uh, they matched up in the NFC when Sala was defensive coordinator, uh, and. Stefanski was uh, offensive coordinator for the Vikings. They matched up in a playoff game. And also the Browns' current 
defensive coordinator Joe Woods was on Robert Sala's staff in San Francisco. So they and and really the the Browns' defensive system is is modeled uh, after Sala. So so um, and they have tremendous respect for him, and and they realize that the the Jets uh, did a heck of a job on the on the Ravens' rushing game last week. Uh, so I, I think you know there's enough there to get the Browns' attention. And it's so early. They haven't been two and zero, by the way, since 1993. Wow! So they're not out of the woods yet. Yeah, I know. There's all these historical checkpoints with this this franchise, and, and they're starting to knock them knock them off, you know, one at a time. Some guy named Belichick was roaming the sidelines back in 1993. He, he was. Wow! Exactly that, right. Yeah. That is going back a ways, Tony. We're talking with Tony Grossi, ESPN Cleveland, LandOnDemand.com on the Browns here. I, I mean, a lot of the attention here too over the last couple of days. I mean, the, the, the news coming out of Cleveland, it seems like this is a huge deal that they got the elf painted at the 50-yard line this week. Like, that, that that's supposed to be, like, one of the most exciting things to come out of Cleveland. Forget about the game. They got the elf painted at the middle of the field. Well, you know what? There is so much drama with this team and franchise that something as silly as that is a welcome relief at times. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyone anyone who's a, a longtime Browns fan knows the significance, the historical significance of, of the Elf. I don't think uh, a lot of national people got it, uh, but they don't really care. But it's, it's a popular figurine, a popular mascot from, from really the Paul Brown days. Oh, yeah. And uh, I guess they're painting it on the middle of the field, and uh, it'll give us something to talk about. Tell you what, though, if the scoreboard doesn't reflect positivity at the end of the afternoon, you could bet that that elf's going to be gone by the time they play their next home game. <laughs> Am I right, Tony, or what? Like a, it'll be kicked aside like a garden gnome. <laughs> <laughs> that helmet will be right back there in the middle of the field <laughs> as fast as you could yeah. say one, two, three. Tony, thanks for a couple of minutes yeah. tonight, my friend. Always great catching up with you here, and uh, enjoy the game this week. We'll be in touch soon. Okay, will do. Thanks for having me. Take All right. Care. There's Tony Grossi, ESPN Cleveland, thelandondemand.com. He's been covering the Browns forever, knows them inside and out. It's true. And and I got to be honest because, you know, I, I'm trying to take this NFL season from a week-to-week standpoint. I had no idea until he just mentioned it that the Browns were playing the Thursday night game in week number three. So there you go. Short week. Maybe they do look ahead to the next game against the Steelers. I mean, look, they're going to take the Steelers more seriously than the Jets. You know that. That's why you can almost see home opener. Place is going to be crazy. Oh, here come the Jets, the hapless Jets. This might be the trap game scenario, which could maybe light a fire underneath them a little bit here. We shall see. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. By the way, one other thing I should mention, fallout from that Cleveland-Carolina game, and this applies to the Giants, and we'll dive into Carolina tomorrow to talk about uh, Big Blue's opponent in Week 2, but where, where, where Carolina completely, completely lost their way in that game, Christian McCaffrey only got 14 touches. 14 touches. I mean, this is the guy who's the bell cow. He's the most important player on that offense, more important than even the quarterback. He ain't in there. He ain't doing his thing. This team doesn't have a shot. He only touched the ball 14 times on Sunday. You best believe that when they line up to play the Giants on Sunday afternoon, you're probably going to see a healthy dose of Christian McCaffrey, probably double the touches than he got in week number one. So if you're a Giant fan, bank on that. When we come back, we spent a lot of time last night talking about the Robert Sala keeping receipts and all the controversy that ensued from that. Well, the coach spoke today at his Wednesday press conference and clarified the remarks that he made 
with those statements. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. Remember, we'll do all of our picks tomorrow night. Normally, Football Friday becomes a Football Thursday because we won't have a show Friday night. We're going to be on uh, 10 a.m. on Friday in for Greeny. So uh, plan accordingly. Robert Sala spoke today, as did all the coaches in the NFL, at least most of them, because it's Wednesday. Wednesday's media day. You turn the page to week number two. And, you know, when Robert Sala last left us on Monday, he made those comments to the media about, you know, keeping receipts and keeping tabs on everybody out there, whether it's fans, media, whoever, making negative comments about the Jets and dumping on them, even though that they are not exactly living in a world of prosperity right now and that when things turn, he's going to remember exactly who said what and they're going to have the last laugh. I thought that it was much ado about nothing. I was shocked at the collective outrage and we had a you know good conversation about it last night, you and I, we did. And now you turn the page. But of course... The conversation and the question at least came up one more time today when the media asked him to clarify those comments and if he wanted to double down at all. I think everyone in the locker room, including the coaching staff, knows how we all feel about one another and how much confidence we have in one another. And my words, my display of emotion, which I do my best to control up here, is that I've got conviction over it. And, you know, this is not the same old Jets. But until we win, until we prove it, which is on us as coaches and on us as players, the shots will keep on coming. And so we welcome them, keep bringing them. It's not going to change our mission, and that's to bring this organization and this fan base a winner. Bottom line, right? And, and it shouldn't. It's fair game. If you don't win, you're going to be criticized. You're going to be made fun of. You're going to be ridiculed, right? I mean, it comes with the territory. And you know what? It works the other way. If you do win, and if you do turn it around, then you're going to get praised. That's how this game works. That's how sports works. What have you done for me lately? You know, you could be down in the dumps in week one, and then we could be revisiting this same situation, let's say, in week 10. And maybe the worm has turned a little bit, and you got a winning record, you're playing good football, and then all of a sudden, people are patting you on the back. Hey, congrats. Hey, boy, you're good. You're, and, you know, jumping on the back. Oh, yeah. You're the grand prize winner. But you still got a lot of work to do before you get to that point because right now, things aren't good. Right? You're only as good as your last game, and that game was pretty bad. You don't want a repeat of that performance. And it's not going to be easy on Sunday. You know, Cleveland's a good football team. That defense is legit. 
They can control the ground game. That defense is going to have to buckle the chin straps and go out there and try to shut down the run just as well as they did last week against Baltimore. And, oh, by the way, also try to eliminate the explosive plays. You know, you think back to what the Jets did on Sunday against the Ravens, like, you know, they did a good job shutting down. I mean, the Ravens have been the top rushing team in football for the last three years, and they held them to like 60-something yards. Lamar Jackson ran for 17 yards. It's just that those three pass plays through the air, that was the difference in the game. You know, they, they I, I think Robert Sala put it as Baltimore, you know, out-explosive played the Jets on Sunday. But when they went back and watched the tape, they felt comfortable that they were the faster team on the field, that they kept up with them, they were just as physical. But Baltimore made less mistakes and they had more explosive plays. And that decided the outcome of the game. Nothing wrong with that. Of course, the question is also going to be about the quarterback position while Zach Wilson is on the mend. And Zach Wilson practiced today for the first time since the injury. Was in a helmet, was in the red non-contact jersey, didn't take any team drills, but he was out there throwing, he was out there doing his thing. So, step in the right direction. You know he's not going to play this week, but could there be an outside chance that maybe he's ready for even the third game against Cincinnati? Who knows? You can't rule anything out. They didn't put him on injured reserve. So, if he's practicing, who knows? But he's not changing quarterbacks. Joe Flacco's going to be the guy again on Sunday. What did the coach think about Flacco's performance? When you look back at the game, when he had a clean pocket, he's very, very efficient. Part of the clean pocket is the offensive line's responsibility to give it to him and for him to just deliver the ball where it needs to and get off of certain reads. It was a bunch of different things. I thought he handled the huddle well. The procedure was good. Everything was fine. We just stalled in the sense of when the pocket collapsed, whether or not he can get it to his check down fast enough. Just little things that were just a little bit off, especially in that first half. But there's, it was more than just him. Like I said, there's the O-line, there's route running, there's their drop passes, fumbles, that's drive there's just a comedy of errors that just led to what looked like a bad performance by him now it wasn't the best performance but I think he's uh, it wasn't as bad as people think it was if you have a guy who at this stage of his career is a backup quarterback which Joe Flacco is you need the other guys to do their job all around him and that means the offensive line that means the receivers when he throws the ball don't drop it mental errors don't make those and then maybe the offense operates a little bit more efficiently, and then maybe you don't look at the quarterback position as an albatross for the time being. You can win games with Joe Flacco as your quarterback if the other folks on offense, the 10 other guys, do their job and hold up their end of the responsibility. You can win games. Now, is it something you want to do for an entire season? No. But can he win a game here and a game there? Yeah. And that's really all you're asking him to do, right? This isn't like a long-term venture. He's probably going to get at least one more start here on Sunday, and then after that, who knows? He might not even get a chance to play all 60 minutes and all four quarters on Sunday because I guarantee you, if this offense is sputtering again, I would say first two quarters come halftime, they might go to the bullpen. you got to make a change to spark things up. Somebody put a stat out there today. I forgot who it was. But last year... I don't know how many teams it was in the NFL started 0-2. None of the teams that started 0-2 made the playoffs. You don't want to enter that category. Matt in Brooklyn, up next, 98.7 ESPN. Matt, how are you? Hey, Dan. Thanks for taking my call. What's up, Matt? Real quick. I got a problem with the media. Yeah. Nobody in the media ever wants to knock the NFL. What do you want coaches to do? If they don't have a quarterback, they can't win. 
it's not the coach's fault. It's the way the NFL is designed. Uh, when you say win, win how? Win, bowl, winning, winning championships. You don't have a, there used to be multiple ways to winning championships. Even if you had a decent uh, below average quarterback, you could still win a championship. Not no more. No, that's the way the game is tailored right now, right? You got to have that quarterback 100%. But, you know, you can have the quarterback, but you could be missing a ton of other guys on your team with injuries, and that might also take you down, if you know what I mean. Of course, but the media should lay off coaches that don't have good quarterbacks because they know you can't win without quarterbacks. It's very hard. Yeah. I, I'm, Matt, Matt, that yeah. I'm really not. I'm, I just feel bad for these guys with no quarterbacks. They take a lot of heat. You know what it is, though, Matt? It, it's fair game, though, I think, in a lot of people's eyes, and I thank you for the phone call. Here, here's why. Nobody's feeling sorry for these coaches, really. You know, in the in the grand scheme of things, if you want to take a, a step back and, and m- compare real life to what these football coaches go through. I mean, these football coaches are making at least, what, minimum $4 million a year? You think anybody's going to feel sorry for them, right? A, a football coach's worst day is when he doesn't have a starting quarterback, but yet he, he's got a paycheck, got a nice house probably, and, you know, not have to worry about things that a lot of people in this world have to worry about. No, nobody's going to feel sorry for him. This is, this is the life that they chose, and not everybody is going to have the perfect situation. Not everybody's going to have the same team as others do and is stacked a roster as maybe some of the other clubs do. There are people that get paid big money to, to develop rosters and to build rosters with talent. It goes hand in hand. But, hey, you don't have a quarterback? Go find out getting one. Go try to get one. Because that's really the hardest thing to do. I, I say it all the time, like, the term franchise quarterback, like, that is one of the most misused terms in all of sports. Like, there's this idea of what a franchise quarterback is, but really, I don't think that it's genuine and it's legitimate because how many real, real franchise quarterbacks are there in the NFL right now? Not as many as you think. Not as many as you think. What do you think? Maybe... Between five and seven? Really? Like, guys that you know are going to be there and are going to do their thing. Not not a guy that you... Like, Trevor Lawrence, for example. Okay, Trevor Lawrence, number one overall pick. They thought he was the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. He was a short thing, blah, blah, blah. He's the Jaguars franchise quarterback. He's the Jaguars hopeful franchise quarterback. But he's not a short thing just yet. You know, if he has a if he has a disappointing season this year and they don't take any steps forward and the same thing happens again next year, guess what? He's probably going to be gone soon. And they're going to start looking for that next franchise quarterback. Jets thought they had a franchise quarterback in Sam Darnold. How'd that work out, right? So, I mean, a lot of teams just take a guy out of college in the first round and say, he's our franchise quarterback. Well, if he doesn't develop and he doesn't win and the team doesn't win, then you're going to be looking for another quarterback. You become a franchise quarterback after you've gotten over that hurdle of the first few years, and then you know you are a legit difference maker, and you can put that team on your back. And there ain't a lot of those guys right now in the National Football League. There's just not. Jets played one last Sunday at the Meadowlands. He's a franchise quarterback. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Yanks got a 3-0 lead up in Boston thanks to Glaber Torres and some shoddy defense by the home team. Essentially amounts to a little league three-run home run for Glaber as the Sox just threw the ball all over the yard. 
Yankees don't care. They'll take it. They got a 3-0 edge on the Sox. Mets, thanks to just a nightmarish first inning turned in by David Peterson, are in a 6-1 hole against the Chicago Cubs going to the fifth inning as those wheels continue to spiral. Let's say hi to Artie in Brooklyn. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. What's up, Art? Hey, Dan. What's going on? What's up, bud? You know, I, I, I know. I call you. I'm going back and forth. Coach, quarterback, whatever. It's and everything. You know what it comes down to? It, it's everything. Listen, yeah. Listen, I have a defensive coach. I want to, This is what I want. Okay? They drafted from forever with Douglas and stuff like that. I want a top five defense. And 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 I go next year, and I know that my quarterback could take me to the Super Bowl. That doesn't mean, like you said, it's, he doesn't have to be, you know, Bor, um, Burrow or Herbert. You could win. You could get to the Super Bowl with with uh, um, Garoppolo and guys like that. I just want I want to know that my quarterback is not the top, the bottom tier. Right now, as of right now, if I told you who's better, Geno. David Mills or uh, Wilson, you don't really know. Don't know. <laughs> he, he hasn't done. He hasn't shown you anything in the season to, to show you that this guy's in. Yeah, you can give me all the highlights you want from BYU, but until and he's got an arm. But I know a lot of quarterbacks that do that, and and you know they weren't they weren't the, the real deal. So right, right, so, so right. Prove, I don't care about wins, Dan. I don't care how many wins. Just get me that. And I'm thinking about it. I'm going. Say we go on a nine and it's disaster. And they're going back and forth. And Wilson comes in and somehow the defense gets better and they win, I don't know, five out of the last six. And he throws for 300 and something yards. And, and, and it, has he thrown for 300 yards? No. So give me 300, 350 with no interceptions. I'm good for next year. Fix that offensive line because I don't know what they're talking about. It wasn't the tackles fault that they, that they played like this. Flacco was getting killed in the middle. He he was flushed out of the pocket constantly on third down. So those guards in the center that are supposed to be highly rated, you know, and Sally's got to figure out this, okay? He's not a defensive coordinator anymore. He's responsible for everything. He's responsible for a kicker missing field goals, a punter shanking, and the offensive line doing a job. If he can't fix that, then he shouldn't be the head coach. All right, man. Thanks for taking All right, time. hang in there, buddy. Hang in there. He's right about that. You know what was what cracks me up too about you know like the Zach Wilson comments. And look, he has to, he still has to prove it. I'm not I'm not sitting here trying to tell you that he's proven anything. The only thing he's proven is that he's having a hard time staying on the field so far in the first two years of his career, right? Because he's down probably three games this year minimum, and he already missed three games last year. But what cracked me up is when you know he got hurt in that Philadelphia game in the preseason. And, and some of these yo-yos are actually sitting there saying, well, and you know what, before he got hurt, meaning the one drive that he played prior to the, the series where he got hurt, oh, you know that the, before he got hurt, he wasn't looking all that good either because he threw an interception. Like, that really has any bearing in a preseason game as to what was going to take place in the regular season when it counts for real. I mean, <laughs> come on. And to Artie's point, though, about the offensive line, Think about the the areas of that line that were springing leaks on Sunday. It was probably the guys that you least expected. It was on the left side of that line. I mean, Lakin Tomlinson is a well-respected veteran. The guy was a pro bowler last year. They felt good plugging him in left guard. He had a rough game last week. You know, George Fan on the left side, you want to give him a pass because he only found out he was moving back to left tackle like three or four days before the game? Okay. But those are supposed to be the stalwarts. 
Remember, we thought that right tackle was going to be the worried spot on that line because he had Max Mitchell, the rookie who was playing his first ever NFL game and starting. But it was the other side of the line, which needs some fixing here going into Sunday. Let's say hi to Dylan. He's in New Brunswick. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. What's up, Dylan? Hey, how's it going, Dan? Good, Dylan. What's uh, up? I'm a, I'm a Jaguar fan, so I love what you were saying about, like, you know, the whole franchise quarterback How thing. did you become a Jaguar fan? I was five years old, and the Jaguars became a team. I thought Jacksonville Jaguars sounded cool. I've been regretting it ever since. So, so wait a sec. So you're, so you're from this area. You were yeah. five years old in 95 or whatever when they started. So, like, you hadn't even at that point thought of latch. Now, the Jets were crap in 95 because that was co-tight. But, like, even well, my, the Giants, nothing? My father raised me to be a Dolphins fan, so I was oh. up for failure. Well, you know what? I, then You know what? I, I think you chose the better of the two because, you know, Jaguars, I, I can't justify a Dolphin fan, Dylan. Can't do that. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's a rough life. I mean, Jimmy Smith was great. Fred Taylor was awesome. Is Jimmy Smith still like in prison, by the way? No, he's out. Oh, he's no, out. He's actually selling jerseys on Twitter. Is he really? Yeah. Tom, Autograph. we should try to get him on the show. Kind of like a where are they now type thing. Jimmy Smith out of prison now selling jerseys on yeah, Twitter. That'll be fun. Pretty, pretty sure he's sober now. I could be wrong. Good. Good for him. He was a great player, he was a great player to watch. Him and Keenan honestly, McCardle. Right. That, was, that was a great oh. wide receiver tandem in the 90s, man. Yeah. No, and honestly, forget everything off the field with Jimmy Smith. Statistically, he should be up for Hall of Fame nomination. He had a career that would warrant it. A- Absolutely. Five-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro. He had a thousand yards every year, but one since he was in Jacksonville. No, and good the one player. He got suspended for off-the-field stuff. Yeah, no, he was really good. But um, what, what I wanted to get into, because you know, I, I feel like the whole last year, whichever Lawrence is a wash because Urban Meyer is a clown. But um, like what you were saying about Zach Wilson. So right now on DraftKings, the over/under for Jets wins is five. Right. Now, say the Jets only get four or five wins. Do the Jets bring back Robert Sala and then press reset? In term, when you say reset, does that mean you say go and get another quarterback? Yeah, I mean, because you got C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young. Yeah. There's a couple other quarterbacks that are th- be available next year. It, I, I've said all along, Dylan, and I'm sticking to my story until proven otherwise. And look, I don't think this is going to happen. But if they have a woefully underachieving season this year, they believe in this roster – I know that for a fact. They think this roster is good enough to win. I don't think they want to hit the reset button again and have to bring in another rookie quarterback who you're going to have to nurture, who's going to have to develop and take his lumps at the expense of a roster that is underachieving then because of the personnel you have. I think what they'll probably do is they're going to go out and get a veteran quarterback to come in and legitimately compete with Zach Wilson for the starting job next year if that happens. Yeah, no, that's great response i mean it's a good way to look at it i i'm not really that sold on zach wilson i know he's got a cannon but i you gotta I just, prove it you gotta i, I prove it. that for my jet fan friends i know that kills me to say it because i hate the jets but you know it it is what it is you know it sucks when you have to press reset every three years and the turnover is awful well, that's the problem, right? You don't want to get into that pattern. You don't want to be like, for example, what the Giants have done the last couple, you know, two years, two oh, years, yeah. just keep changing coaches. That's not the way to build a winner. And, you know, like your team, Urban Meyer was a disaster. They thought they found the golden goose. He was a disaster. I think Peterson's going to do a good job there. I just don't think it's going to happen overnight. Real quick point, if I can, for the Jaguars. Yeah. I was pounding my fist at the bar watching the draft that year when they took – 
Taven Bryan, who was a rotational D lineman at Florida, who couldn't even crack the starting lineup, and we take him in the first round, I think like 22 overall, and Lamar Jackson was sitting there. He's from Florida, Jacksonville. The jersey sales would have been phenomenal. And we stuck with Blake Bortles. Yeah, but there was a remember, Lamar Jackson was the fifth quarterback off the board that year. Think of and, and oh, not only just and the other teams. Blake team- Bortles was the first, right? No, that was two thousand and eighteen was Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, oh, yeah. Josh yeah. Allen, Josh Rosen, and then Lamar yeah. Jackson was the fifth quarterback taken. But but uh if I'm not mistaken, Blake Bortles was number three overall. Overall the, the year, year he came I out. I think it was yeah. Manzel and Carr. And who else? I think that was Miles Garrett was number one. Miles Garrett, I think, no, was one no, that was year. No, but that, you know, Blake Blake Bortles, though. Think of, I mean, you know, say what you want about him, but got you to an AFC Championship game. And look, you should have won that game in New England that year. You should have went to the Super Bowl. Oh, Miles Jack wasn't down. No, he, he wasn't down. The ball. Was not down. Not down. No, and I think that that defense beats Philly and Nick Foles. But uh, you know, it is what it is. That's what's funny about it. That's what's funny about the whole thing, Dylan, how fast things can change, right? And I thank you for the phone call, my yeah. friend. You get back to us. Um, that was 2017. Doug Marone's the coach of the Jaguars. They're, Tom Coughlin's running the show. They're like a model franchise. And, they, and uh, you know, you remember that they had, they had New England dead to rights in that championship game. They should have won that game. And then you think about everything that's transpired since, and then the Jaguars have become like the laughing stock of the NFL for like the last four years. Like, how does that happen so fast? It's cruel because it's so much easier to go from the penthouse to the outhouse in about five minutes. And then when you're trying to get back to the penthouse again, it seems like it's an eternity. Harsh, very harsh. We'll talk a little Donovan Mitchell as he has resurfaced. Coming up in about 10 minutes, Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. You know, I was just looking this stuff up here on Twitter that um, Dylan, our previous caller, the Jaguar fan, brought up. And I'm looking at the Jimmy Smith Twitter account. Remember Jimmy Smith? He was, for those that don't know, remember he was the one of the starting wide receivers for the Jaguars in the uh, mid-90s into the 2000s. He and Keenan McCardell, even though McCardell left, he went to Tampa. Um, but Jimmy Smith, you, you, now you look at the numbers, he had a really, really good career. I mean, he made Pro Bowls and all those things, all pro. He had over 1,000 yards receiving in 9 out of 10 years. That's a nice stretch. And that was still at a time, you know, you think about like, you know, 95 to 2005. That was still in an era in the NFL where it was a little bit more difficult to throw the football compared to what it is like now, where, you know, the defense is a joke and, you know, you're not allowed to touch the receivers. But, yeah, he's got like helmets, like old Jaguar helmets that he's like personally autographing and and, and you could buy from him. He's got these jerseys and, and we're trying to figure it out, like old Jimmy Smith jerseys, but... He's got them like lying on the carpet, like on the ground, and it look, you know, like it's like a dirty looking carpet. It, it, it's. I mean, is that your best approach if you're trying to generate sales? You know, shouldn't you have it maybe even like encased in a frame? You know, like have the jersey in a frame. Maybe people will think, "Oh, that's a nice item." It kind of adds a little bit more authenticity to it. I might, how you do? But you don't even have that. I don't know. I'd be skeptical. I mean, unless you're like the biggest Jaguar fan in the world, I, I don't. This is not something that I think I would dive into. Does it really? I mean, Tom, does it look really all that different than eBay at this point? Oh, no, not at all. But at least I would like to say 
his th- his helmet is authenticated. That is on the picture that he put on uh, up there. The helmet looks cool, at least. Oh yeah, that part looks good. But the jerseys are like, I don't know. Eh, they're a hit or miss. They're, to me, they're a miss. And I'm not really like into the whole memorabilia game and and that industry. Even though I know it's very lucrative and stuff, but I just think there's so many like loopholes to it to where I don't know. I mean, I, look, I give the guy credit. He's trying to make a living. You know, he's trying to, you know, clean up his act and, and get his life going and all those things. And, you know, good for him. But this ain't something I would necessarily look to partake in. That's just me. Just me. Um, Mets are getting killed at home by the Cubs. What else is new? Yankees lead the Red Sox 3-1. to one. Good bit of Met news tonight, believe it or not. Yeah, there is actually, like, good Mets news. I know that it's been few and far between of late. But Max Scherzer, remember him? He uh, started tonight for AAA Syracuse. Seven strikeouts, three and two-thirds innings, allowed one run. I mean, unless he reports anything negative afterwards, you can expect him to rejoin this rotation probably the next time through. So, you know, you count five days, he might pitch Monday when the Mets go to Milwaukee. But it doesn't even matter anymore. Like, you can't even get all that excited about, you know, who's pitching, who's this, who's that. I mean, you know, Jacob DeGrom pitched last night. You know, gave up three runs, and that was three runs too many because this offense is dreadful. It's porous. It's a joke. David Peterson, by the way, tonight, the one-third of an inning pitched is the shortest start by a Mets pitcher in 2022. Let's hope it's David Peterson's last start for a very long time. I've seen enough of David Peterson. Seriously, enough. Enough is enough is enough. Send him to the Cardinals with Jordan Montgomery. Maybe he could catch on with them. Hey, when we come back, we're going to talk about a guy who we all thought maybe was coming here, but he went somewhere else. That's Donovan Mitchell. Hear his first remarks since the trade to Cleveland went down. Dan Gross' show for another 60, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. 